0: This is the running down. This is the running down. This is the running down. And if you ain't know the deal, I bet you know now. What's going down, people? People, it's the homie, homie CL, Yeah, we back live on the Rundown Sports. You gotta know that. And I'd like to thank y'all for joining me, however you're joining me. I do appreciate it. And uh, definitely come by to rundown.com That's da rundown.com Got to know it. And definitely subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and even the YouTube channel. And uh, got a real quick part that I wanted to do because had some controversy last night. So uh, if anybody knows you, the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers defeated the atlanta hawks game three of the eastern conference finals and uh here with me to talk about everything that went down and a little bit more i got jay hicks from the hip-hop sports report what's going down jay
1: now see how you feeling this afternoon on uh memorial day happy memorial day to you
0: oh same to you man and uh shout out to all the veterans out there who uh put in some time because uh i definitely do not have the proxy to say I would do that myself. So, uh, definitely. I'm (laughs)
1: I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you.
0: So, yeah, man, I'm going to stick to my lane do what I do best. And right now, uh, we're going to talk a little bit of basketball. Now, uh, for those of y'all who already follow the podcast, Jay was just on a few weeks ago, and we talked about some of these same storylines, and especially with the Hawks and Cavaliers Uh being on, uh, you know, a collision course in the finals or the Eastern Conference finals. Uh That did happen, but did not look anything like we thought it would in the first place. So, uh last night, let's just go ahead and cut the chase. Uh, Delva Dova, or I don't know, I'm going to call him just Delva Diver, because he seemed to be diving all the time at <laughs> somebody. And, uh... <laughs> really had take Al Horford off and uh Elbow went ahead I mean Al Horford dropped the people's elbow on him. I don't think he should have got thrown out in the first place. where do you stand on that part of it to begin with?
1: Um, uh, CL man, that was a tough that was a tough call by the officials. I feel like I feel like the officials in that moment were really trying to follow the letter of the law and they kinda of were looking at it like Bottom line: You cannot intentionally drop an elbow or attempt to elbow a, a member of another team without getting ejected from the game. And I think that's pretty much as far as they thought it through. And so, with that being the case, I kind of uh, begrudgingly agreed with it, but I, but I was, I didn't feel good about it. And I even tweeted about it last night on, you know, on my Twitter feed. I didn't really feel good about that ejection because we all knew that it was going to have a significant impact on the outcome of the game. And not to mention the fact that Horford is an all-star caliber player and he was actually playing really well for Atlanta at the time when this all went down at the end of the second quarter. So as a basketball fan, you hate to see a key component of the game get ejected with a situation like that. But I kind of feel like by deliberately trying to elbow a guy in the head, I kind of feel like Al Horford forced the official's hand.
0: Okay, so is it just like Al Horford trying to get the little slick shot in and not being as smooth about it. Is that what it really is? Because I mean, he didn't, he could have hit dude in the head. Like, let's just say, be honest. Like he had every opportunity to let that dude have it, uh, right upside the noggin, but he didn't. He just kind of like gave him a little shot on the way up. I just don't think that was the correct way. And that's really not in Al Horford's personality. So he don't really know how to get it in like that.
1: Right, so, I'd agree with that. I, I don't think you throw him out
0: for it. I think you do hit him with the flagrant and be like, look, man, you on a, you on a short leash, you do something else, and it's over with. But yeah. let me
1: ask you this, though. If the, if the rule dictates that if you hit a player intentionally with, in a non-basketball-related type of way above the shoulders, or if you attempt to hit him above the shoulders in a play that is not conducive to the game of basketball, that you have to be thrown out because it's flagrant too. If that's the rule, what what is officials supposed to do in that situation? Not throw them out just because they didn't want to?
0: I mean, it seems like throughout the playoffs, there is a – what's the word? But I, there is a uh, – a clear like objective way that the refs look at how the game is played and not being in the way of the outcome of the games. And now do you agree with that? Like it's different than the regular season as far as the officials judging the game, you know, from different files, how they kind of let a little bit of contact go.
1: Yeah, I, I, that I agree with that. I agree with it, but, but I would agree with that. I would agree with that statement more so in a non-flagrant context. So if we're talking about just uh, tussling for a rebound or hand checking or, or somebody giving somebody a bump with the body as they drive the lane or something like that, they're more apt to let that kind of stuff go in the playoffs than they are in the regular season. They're going to let them play a little bit more. But I think if it's if we're talking about in a flagrant foul kind of context, I think it's pretty consistent regular season the playoffs, in my opinion.
0: Okay, I, I give you that, but. My thing is, why did Delva Dover get the tech? You know, like there was well, an understanding that something happened and Al Horford retaliated. Like, you can't, I, to me, you got to have that discretion right then and there, you know, if you're going to acknowledge that.
1: Yeah. And I, and I actually agree with you on that point a bit. I think that by basically keeping 100, I think that the Hawks. Uh, or excuse me, the officials were just trying to cover themselves to make it not look like the Cavs is getting this egregious advantage, which they still were anyway. But they were the, the officials were just trying to cover their own behind by not uh, by by making by not making it look like the Cavs was getting the upper hand completely, 100%. So they had to give Delhi something in order to to offset that appearance of it being just a one-sided affair in favor of the Cavaliers, who were the favorites, who were the team that the media would probably most likely have in the finals and who was playing at home. They were trying to counteract all of that. And so I think that they couldn't just throw Horford out of the game and not give Dell anything because then Atlanta and you can, you can confirm this for me. Atlanta really would have been up in arms if that was the case. But as it is, there's, you know, you're still pretty upset because the technical didn't really do too much. You know, it didn't do nearly as much as Al Horford not being there right. as far as the, whether or not it determined the outcome of the game. Um, I just feel like, uh, the technical, the explanation for the technical, which came out after the game, I think it was Ken Mauer was the referee last night and he came out and basically said, we thought that, um, Matthew delvadova I don't, I, let me see. Matter of fact, I think I have the exact uh, verbiage. But give me just a second. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I got it right here with me on my phone. It says, this is from Ken Mauer last night and it says, the question was, why did Della Bedova get a technical? The explanation from Ken Mauer, quote, we felt that he made contact with his head and shoulders into the knees, uh, into the knee area of Horford. So we ruled that a live ball, physical taunt, technical foul. Now, I don't understand how you can call that. What is that? Exactly. I don't know how you can call (laughs) that. Because he made contact with his head and shoulders to Horford's knees, all of a sudden that translates to a live ball, physical taunt, technical foul. I don't even know what that means. I don't know how he's taunting him physically by running into his knees with his head that doesn't make any sense so that was a bogus explanation to me which is kind of to your point but I, again I thought like that was the the referees are trying to cover themselves and not make it look like a completely one sided affair uh, but the but but they kind of screwed themselves in a way because by giving Dell over the technical it made it appear that okay well he must have been guilty of something and if he was in fact guilty of something then how come our guys getting thrown out of the game and their guy isn't you know what I mean
0: right Okay, so, you know what? It is what it is. Now, I see the refs. They think they slick. You come out, throw out this, uh, this rule that probably 90% of people do not understand. And uh, I've seen that done in other cases, a.k.a. Uh, NFL with the commissioner's list. Like, oh, we just got this thing that, you know, applies to this situation. Just very conveniently. Uh I love that move when people do that. So uh, shout out to them for that. Now, I guess I'll give you a premature congratulations because uh, LeBron looks to be taking another team to the finals. Uh, Will concede defeat already. I, I mean, if the Hawks do get one more game. It is what it is. But, I mean, it's just it's too many people down. It's just one of them years. And when you built like the Hawks, you really got to have all your pieces in place or it doesn't work the same. And I think. exactly, I agree with that. One of the main things that was wrong with the Hawks is they were getting a lot of Kyle Corver screens in the regular season. And I don't think that should be like one of the main pillars on your offense. I know it was a lot of ball movement, but a lot of that resulted in Kyle Corver threes. And once somebody really takes that away, it, kind of disrupts the rest of the flow of everything else. And, I mean, I love Jeff T to death, but dude just hasn't got that pilot's touch around the rim yet. But he's going to be there in a minute. So, I know we was going back and forth about their roster construction on Twitter, uh, and I said uh, they have the same problems that they've been having, you know, for like the last six, maybe even seven years since Horford got there, which is, He's been playing the five, and he's really a four, and they never had a, I mean, even a above average to elite wing player at the three, and I'm still in contesting saying that Carmelo got to swallow his pride and come, because that's what's going to make it work. They can go get a couple championships, because that's the one dude that can guard LeBron, he actually likes guarding LeBron. That's all you need him to do on the defensive side is stay in front of LeBron, put, be a big body. And when you need some offense, there you go. Get it to him. You ain't worried about nothing. And getting in a system like what the Hawks have, that's going to help uh, him be a little bit more uh, willing to share the ball because it's going to keep coming back to him anyway and he's going to be open
1: so i don't know man that's uh i mean i,
0: I... go ahead man
1: yeah i mean <clears throat> i was gonna say i could see that potentially happening um i mean I, well in the sense of I, I could see potentially it working if he were in atlanta but i mean given the fact that he just re with them with that giant contract and given all the work that Danny Ferry did of, of getting rid of all those giant contracts uh, in Atlanta before, uh, after he took over as general manager and he got rid of Joe Johnson and all those guys, I don't think they're going to be trying to, to bring Carmelo and all that salary into the fold. And considering all the, the, with that Atlanta excels in body movement and ball movement, Carmelo is, is typically viewed as a ball stopper. Um, you know, I mean, on paper, I feel like it could work. But, in actuality, I'm not so sure if that would work, and I don't know how that would feasibly happen at this point, given all of the financial implications that that would mean for the Atlanta Hawks, considering all the moves that they just made. I did want to wait one more point uh, about Della Badoba before we got off that completely can I, can I go back to that right quick go go ahead and talk about the diver <laughs> See the diver see, I had people coming at me. Uh, uh, on on Twitter last night, talking about how he's a dirty player, and this is kind of how we, you and I, kind of got to talking this morning, was that I've been thinking about the the narrative that's now coming coming to pass, saying that Matthew Dellavedova is a dirty basketball player. To me, dirty or a either a dirty player or a dirty play to me means that a, a player deliberately committed an act that is not uh, found. In the game of basketball it's not a basketball related play that is deliberately designed to inflict pain or harm on an opposing player to me that is what the definition of dirty is
0: you got that wrote down that's our textbook
1: i mean but that to me that's just what it is because i mean because i'm thinking about it because people are trying to label this guy dirty and i'm thinking in my head like okay let me let's break this down right quick so first of all everybody's looking at the play the three plays from the playoffs right and saying well he got into it with gibson He had the Corbett thing, and now this Al Horford thing. Case closed. This guy must be a dirty player. Well, first of all, Della Vadova has been in the NBA for two seasons now. And nobody ever called him a dirty player until last week. He's played 139 games in his career. He's played, I think, 13 playoff games this season. Hold on. And he's only been dirty in three games, allegedly. Hold on. You know what I'm
0: saying? I give you that. I give you that. But... To say that nobody called him dirty is because nobody watched him for at least one year. You know, because I mean, Cleveland was irrelevant last year. Nobody actually could say anything about Delva Dover. If somebody would have tried people, to give I you a basketball,
1: scout. Yeah, I'm just saying, I think people in basketball circles, in, in in the basketball world, like maybe not the general public, but in the basketball world, people that really follow the game like you and I do, people would have known. They would have known. Like, they knew about Danny Fortson back in the day. Danny Fortson was a goon. <laughs> people knew about him back in the day. That's you know, true. People know about guys that have a reputation. You know, I don't think Danny Fortson ever played in NBA Finals, but people know who they are if you if you follow the game. And so that's kind of my thing. It's like, I mean, I see what you're saying, that he's definitely on a larger stage now, so I, I definitely agree with you there. But to me, he's played all these games. It would have come out that he was a dirty player before then. They talk about the brotherhood and all this other stuff I'm hearing today. It's a bunch of nonsense, man. He would have been dirty last year if he was this dirty. He would have been dirty earlier this season because the Cavs were in the spotlight all season this year, and he played in uh, uh seven sixty-seven games this year for the Cavs, and nobody said nothing about him. And so he gets into these three isolated incidents in the playoffs, and I call them isolated incidents because if you look at each one of them individually, I think I don't think that they paint the picture that he's a dirty. If you have. The situation with Taj Gibson, where he locked legs on Gibson, I think that that was a, a little bit of a of a move to try to get under Taj Gibson's skin because I think Dele's an irritant. I would definitely agree with that. Right. He's an irritant. And, and, and he's there uh, to try to get under the skin of the opposing player. He's one of those type of guys. But doing that in and of itself is not a dirty act because he cannot break Taj Gibson's leg by locking his leg like that. He's not going to break his foot off or something like that. He's not... You know he's not John Bones Jones or something like that. He's he's a basketball player. He locked his legs for a quick second, and Gibson shook free and he walked away. He didn't he didn't twist on his leg. He didn't try to break his ankle or nothing like that. All he did was lock his legs. There was no that play could not harm Taj Gibson in any particular way. And so to me, you have to throw that out altogether. So now we're looking at two plays: the Corver play and the play last night. The Corver play was unfortunate. (coughs) Excuse me, but. I don't know, you know, from the time that we are kids and from the time that anybody's ever been watching basketball, they've always stopped diving on the floor for loose balls. You have to want it more. You have to go the extra mile, especially in the playoffs. you got to win the 50-50 balls. The guy that gets on the floor first wins, all that type of stuff. But Delhi's never been afraid to get on the floor and get on the floor first. So there was a loose ball. He got on the floor. And if, you're, if, you're, if your only objective is to get the basketball, I don't know how responsible you can hold somebody if their body – happens to roll into another guy's leg. It's not like he somersaulted over three times and rolled in the core of his leg on purpose. In the process of going after the ball, he ran in the core of his leg. It was a very unfortunate play, and I was actually upset about it, even though I'm a, I support the Cavaliers. Um, I, I was upset to see that it played itself out that way because I want, I want every team to be at the strength this time of year, but, or to be at the strongest at this time of year. But um, I, I don't know if there's enough evidence there off that one play to suggest that he was... It was a dirty player. It was a dirty act. Then you look at last night's play. On one angle, it does look like Delvedere was kind of launching himself into Horford a little bit. On another angle, from the front, it looks like Horford is dragging him down uh, with his arm. And that's how Delly starts falling off balance in the first place because Horford is pulling him to the ground. So – I don't, I, I, when you factor in all that stuff I just talked about, I don't see how you can draw the conclusion that, yes, he's absolutely a dirty player. Is he, you call you called him reckless on Twitter. I, I I'm not going to argue with that. He might be a little bit reckless. Right. But reckless and dirty are two very different things. And so I just don't, I vehemently disagree with anybody suggesting that he's a dirty player. They have, there's no evidence to suggest that in his two plus years in the NBA. I even saw people on Twitter saying that, um, he, because he got into a Kyrie Irving in practice. Uh, in the past that makes him a dirty player when you factor that in with what? Other stuff. It's like, yeah, I saw people on my timeline saying that. <laughs> there was there was a report from back in the day that him and Kyrie used to go at it all the time. And I'm like, well how do we know Kyrie wasn't the one doing the dirty stuff? Kyrie got into it with Dion Waiters allegedly well, uh, uh <laughs> and I got to practice. Nah that's so, I mean, that's like, a different no- subject.
0: <laughs> that was going like we, we could talk about Dion Waiters and, and Kyrie Irving and that could be a whole twenty minute conversation in itself. Right. Uh, right. But as as far as like with Delvadova, I mean, like I said, I think he's just reckless. He really he's real scrappy. And like you said, he's an irritant. And that's just one of them things. And It is now just being discovered on a large stage. So now people right. know right. who Delvadova is. And of course, anytime you got something like this, the, the sports hot take thing is to say, oh, he's playing dirty. So you know what I'm saying? everybody going to fall into their trap, especially on Twitter. I mean, I love y'all to death, but come on, Twitter. Y'all, y'all just going to do the hot takes anytime they come up, you know.
1: I mean, I'm just saying, man. Like, people trying to say, like, that's not a basketball play. It's like, well, it looked like he might have been dragging – Horford might have been dragging him to the ground, and it looked like Delhi might have launched himself a little bit. But it, it, I don't think there's nothing definitive there. What was definitive was Al Horford dropping the Dusty Rose elbow on him. That was definitive. that <laughs> – that was not an accident. You know what I'm saying? So um so yeah, that's my whole Dover spiel, man. It's just I, I just I was getting irritated with hearing people calling this guy dirty, and it's like if you if you really break it down, there's no concrete evidence to suggest that he's a dirty basketball player. So I need to see more. If you want to see a dirty basketball player, go watch Dwayne Wade highlights on YouTube and, and see him uh breaking Rajan Rondo's arm. That's a dirty play. <laughs> or hitting right. people blow the belt intentionally stuff like that like that that's some dirty stuff there you know the the kelly olenic play on kevin love is absolutely dirty because he yanked down on his arm with two hands and that's not a basketball play and he had no he was in no position to get the basketball you know so mm-hmm. that's a dirty play but this dell <laughs> stuff I, I i'm not seeing it man y'all y'all we don't believe you we need more people
0: right <laughs> yeah we're gonna we're just gonna keep an eye on that we're not gonna fall into that narrative man you know what been kicking it for a little bit before you get up out of here, man, just want to touch on like two quick things, uh, just going forward with these playoffs. Now this, in my opinion, is probably the worst. The Cavs are going to be, uh, going into the playoffs, going into the finals for the next few years. I feel like they probably going to be better than this. So this is almost feeling like one of those throwback LeBron teams. Now, uh, I wanted to get your feelings like where do you see this LeBron team ranking with some of those other LeBron teams that won 60 games with Mo Williams and, uh, you know, the whole misfit teams that he took to the finals. And then, you know, you're going to be seeing Golden State. So what would be a success in the finals for you? Like two games or would it just be? You know, at least getting out of Cleveland with one not getting swept, or because I, I I know the 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 Cavs can't win the finals, so I'm putting that out there right now. I don't have no faith in them at all, and this is no bias, none at all. It's just I never seen the team with two starting lineups on the same team, so I got to get over that. So so yeah, man, just give me where you at with on those two things, man, and uh, okay. we'll wrap this one up.
1: Well, uh, I think to answer your first question, um, I feel like the the 9 and, and 2010 Cavs were a little bit better than better teams than people remember. Um, especially that 0-9 team. That 0-9 team was. I think they won 65 games. Uh, to put that in perspective, I think Golden State won 67 this year, uh, or maybe maybe they won 62 games, and then they won 65 in 2010, something like that. They were in the same range of what Golden State did this year. Um, they only lost two home games. In 2009, just like Golden State Stop. did this year, they, that team was really good. Even though they didn't have that, that next dominant player, that next dominant all star, like you said, Mo Williams is probably the second best player on those teams. Um, that team was really good. And the role Boogie. players, though, they, <laughs> exactly the, the, the role players, though, they did kind of shrink in the spotlight, um, on that 09 team. And, uh, and that was part of the reason they fell to Orlando. The bigger reason they fell to Orlando was Mike Brown's, uh, horrific coaching decisions, deciding to double team Dwight uh-huh. Howard for no reason and leaving the shooters open to, to, to murder the Cavs from beyond the three point line. But, um, but these guys though, it seems like Schumpert, JR, um, uh, even to its extent, Dunlop the and, and James Jones and these guys. I mean, they're not shrinking from the spotlight. And and that is a welcome sign to any Cavs fan, based on the teams that they've seen in the past, is because like you said, they with with the injuries being what they are, this team is similar to some of those other teams from before, but the difference is that this team, for whatever reason, appears to have a little bit more resolve, and so it, it's it's great to see them not shrink from the spotlight. At least to this point, they haven't yet, and and, and maybe it's because Shumpert and Smith and and Mozgov are all big parts of this team, and all those guys played in New York City. So they're accustomed to being in the spotlight to some degree. And then you got Sean Marion, Mike Miller, uh, and James Jones. Those guys have all played in the NBA finals and have won championships. So, so they're not really phased by any of this either. So I think that there is a strong enough locker room presence on this team. That's not allowing them to get thrown off by the magnitude of what it is that they're doing and what they're attempting to do. Um, to answer your second point, I feel like, um, I, I i'm not as sold i'm not I, I definitely don't think it's an open and shut thing that the warriors are going to defeat the cavaliers in the finals as crazy as that sounds and i'm gonna tell you why and it's a little bit cliche I'm, I, i'll cop to that but i think i know you with it at the end of the day when, when when you look at these two teams at no point are the warriors going to have the best player on the floor on the team uh-huh. the best player on the floor is LeBron James. He's better than Stephen Curry. I know, and I love Stephen Curry as much as everybody else does. And LeBron actually pisses me off a lot. <laughs> he does a lot of stuff that really irritates me, especially this year. with the turnover stuff. He's done a lot of stupid stuff mm. this year that he hasn't done always in the past.
0: Glad you brought that up. But having
1: said all that... I'm, I'm sorry?
0: I, I am going to say, i glad you brought that up. I, about LeBron pissing you off, I got one thing I'm going to talk about. <laughs> but go ahead, finish up.
1: Yeah, but so... So there's uh, the turnovers and all that stuff, LeBron's been doing, he gets on my nerves, but he's still the best player in the world, and we saw that last night, because he basically did not have a good game last night, and he had 37 points, 18 rebounds, and 13 assists on an off night. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. that's insane. He's still the best player on the planet, even if he's not as good as maybe he was two years ago, and even if Stephen Curry is everybody's, uh, you know, America's favorite uh, new <laughs> superstar. You know what I'm saying? And I love Stephen Curry, too, but but it's just... And I thought he deserved MVP this year, but LeBron is better to him. LeBron is the best basketball player. So if Kyrie Irving, say the Cavs sweep this thing and the finals doesn't start until June 4th, Kyrie's going to basically have two full weeks off worth of rest between uh, after game one of this series and game one of the NBA finals. So if Kyrie can come back and, and be close to what he is, like 80% of what he is, 90%, something like that, hopefully – Now you're looking at a situation where Kyrie Irving, even though Stephen Curry's a little bit better than Irving, Kyrie's good enough to play Stephen Curry to a a draw, I feel like, because we've seen Kyrie go out. We've seen him, um, you know, shine on the biggest stages so far. We've seen him drop multiple 50-point games this year. I think he put up 55 points twice in a game this year. So he's one of the players in the league right now also, and he can fill it up. If he can play Kyrie, or if Kyrie can play Stephen Mm -hmm. Curry to a draw, LeBron is still the best player on the court, <laughs> so you know if you look at it from that standpoint, you kind of like the You gotta like the Cavaliers' chances a little bit. Plus, LeBron is his whole thing is dictating tempo and controlling the, the the flow of the game. That's exactly what he did when they played earlier in the regular season. Now I know you can't take everything with the regular season into account, but just looking at that one matchup where LeBron actually did play against Golden State, the one time this year that they did, LeBron had 40 points, dominated the game from start to finish, and and the Cavaliers won fairly handily so um I you know I think that on paper Golden State's the better team Golden State should be the favorite if Kyrie's not going to be anything close to 100% I I don't I fail to see how the Cavaliers can beat them four times but if Kyrie can come back and and look something like himself and LeBron can maybe get find the jump shot stroke a little bit better I think the Cavaliers can definitely make this an interesting series I think it would definitely go six or seven in that scenario and if it's coming down to a one or two game situation, you never know. If you got the best player on your side, things good things can happen. So that's that's maybe maybe that's just me, you know, dreaming a little bit. <laughs> right. I just don't I don't it's, see this Golden State team. I I don't I don't love Golden State as a team quite as much as everybody else does. And when you look at the Warriors' path to the finals, they basically have gotten to this point without any major injuries. They exactly. have Exactly. They avoided the next two best teams in the West. The next two best teams in the West are the Clippers and the Spurs, and they won't have avoided both of them. So they're going to get to the finals playing a banged-up Cavaliers team with a with picture-perfect health on their own sideline and having avoided the two best teams in the West. We talked all year about how the West was so difficult. They didn't even play the two best teams in the West, and they gotten this far. They faced no adversity still, really. Whereas the Cavaliers, their whole team is banged up, including LeBron. And they beat the two best teams in the East. They beat the Bulls and the Hawks. So, I don't know. I feel like I feel like it's, it would be a much closer series than a lot of people think right now.
0: Okay. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of that. And <clears throat> I will concede LeBron is usually the best player on the floor. And that's at all times. The thing mm-hmm. is that I've noticed with Steve Kerr is He is a great adjustment coach. So basically when he gets three games in, whatever you was having good uh, success with or a lot of fun with, you finna take that away. And LeBron and Kyrie and the guys, you know, I mean, you can even throw J.R. Smith in there. It's just not enough guys, you know, for them, because everybody plays good defense on the Warriors. And then the thing that's really going to get them in trouble is on the defensive end of things. Only because, I mean, it's just, you got to do something. Like, everybody on the team can shoot. You know, and when you tend deep on shooters when the bench come out, I think that's really where the difference is going to be. I think Sean Livingston going to be, like, one of the uh, underrated storylines in the finals i think people going to really going to talk about him cuz of the impact he's going to have with the second unit but lebron yeah
1: well i mean i got yeah, one go i ahead.
0: got one problem with lebron in the last two games uh in the eastern conference finals and you reminded me when you said lebron getting on your nerves i haven't seen mm-hmm. lebron be this cocky in a long time i don't even know if i ever seen him and the thing is, he wasn't doing it last year. You know, he was not, like, he just let Lance Stevenson blow in his ear. And he wasn't being this cocky about anything. You know, yelling out is too easy. Getting all real chested, laughing at DeMar Carroll and Paul Millsap. Like, I don't know who this dude is. Like, he just think, he that guy now. Like, he actually believe it. But I don't think nobody just intimidated him that was on the floor. It really got to be something that that makes uh, LeBron think about what he's doing before he do it. You know, Lance, you know, it's about their life. Everybody know that. So he ain't going to do that to him. But he'll try it on the Hawks. I, I think that's a little interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep my eye on well, this
1: and, well. and uh, see what it looked like during the finals. Well, I don't know who, who on Golden State is going to stop them from necessarily doing that either. I mean, the thing that I think works in Golden State's favor is they definitely have the bodies to throw at LeBron. They have Iguodala. They have Harrison Barnes, both good athletes. Iguodala has been a very they good defender. They got Draymond. And they, and they, right, and I didn't even get to Saginaw Draymond. Pride. And, and, and they can throw a little bit of Klay Thompson at him in a pinch. You know what I'm saying? So they have a, a four, four pretty good to very good defenders that they can throw at LeBron. So I think that works to their advantage. But at the same time, aside from Draymond, you know, he might be a little bit about that life. I don't know if anybody else he on that is team but he is aside from team. I think most Fates is. Most Fates is probably too, but he's a little banged up. So I mean, I don't yeah, I think LeBron would be very interesting. And and I don't know. It will be interesting to see how how that all matches up, man. I mean I just know that the Cavaliers right now are about to win the East with two superstars tied behind their back. That says a little something about the East, but it also says a little bit of something about the character of this team. And if, you, if you're if you if you if you if you're into toughness, if that's your thing, and you look at these two teams and say who's the tougher team, I don't see how you can't say that the Cavs are, are uh, aren't the tougher team because they they have proven it. They've overcome all these injuries. They're actually defensively, they've actually been statistically the best defensive team in the playoffs, even better than Golden State. And part of that is because Kevin Love went out because Kevin Love is not a strong defender and, and Kyrie's been hit and miss. And with those guys being out, the Cavaliers have actually been a better defensive team than they were in the regular season. So that's something else to consider also. But okay. um I don't know. We're gonna see. We're gonna see, man. It's uh it's yeah. coming Like though. I said, I definitely think Golden State should be favored, that's for sure. But I, I don't I wouldn't count out the Cavs just yet. Not when they got the best player on the planet in wine and goal. I wouldn't definitely would not count them out.
0: Okay, so I, I I tell you what I'm I'm gonna give them at least one game, you know, but I think they're gonna get thrashed. I, I I'll just one be game. blunt. They might get one Grizzlies game. Got the Grizzlies got the Grizzlies two. Grizzlies got two. Grizzlies got two. The Grizzlies got two, but that's because they had something that was unique about them it in the, in, with their post presence. And then of course Michael Conley coming in with the mask, like that was. That was pure adrenaline for one game, and then another game. The strategy working out once. Uh, so, so
1: LeBron's not unique now,
0: bro. They're gonna be playing ISO ball. They're gonna be playing pick and roll and <laughs> yeah, ISO, you're right? And that, and I think right. that's just gonna be right. so easy for them to stop. I, I, I think Steve Kerr is just one of them dudes. <laughs> I, I see it.
1: Yeah, you might be right about that. And the ISO ball does get on my nerves too, especially late in games where the Cavs just revert back to that exclusively. I, I can't stand that. I can't stand that. And that's why we need Kyrie. Even though Kyrie's a heavy, he's a heavily, um, he's he's very much an ISO kind of player also. I mean, he gives LeBron a break. He he can spell LeBron a little bit. LeBron doesn't have to carry the load. He doesn't have to create everything and score every time down the floor. The Cavs, I, I'll give you this much. The Cavs will not win without Kyrie Irving looking something like Kyrie Irving. And so if they're going to get anything, one game, two games, whatever, they're going to need number two to the like Uncle Drew again
0: right you gotta know that man alright man uh, we're gonna go ahead and wrap this one up uh, you got anything else you uh, putting out this week before we get up out of here
1: um, well i I just ask anybody that's um, you know been staying tuned to to our, our website com. thank you very much for doing that we, we appreciate all of our new subscribers and new followers we have a lot of big changes coming up very very soon for the site and so stay tuned there's going to be a lot of changes, a lot of new things happening with the website. So I encourage everybody to check out Uh Follow us on Twitter at HHSReport. And, and you'll see all those changes uh, come to fruition in the very near future. So that's what's on tap with us. Oh,
0: what's happening, man? And uh, y'all definitely follow us at The Rundown Sports on Twitter. I'm Nothing at out. CL, The Main Event, on Twitter. And uh, we out here. Peace. Peace.